0: Welcome everyone to the Balthazar NFT gaming podcast. My name is Luke. I am the Balthazar gaming content executive. And today we are talking with our guests about NFT breeding systems and how to make them sustainable. We've seen a lot of early NFT games have NFT breeding systems that just inflate into nothingness. And so today we have some excellent guests Simon from Zyberbugs, Ian from Photo Finish Racing, Leo from Nicoverse, and of course, Nico the Pico, our CGO at Balthazar. So let's jump into it and I hope you get something out of this incredible conversation. Let's jump in since we're at the top of the hour straight into our topic today. Uh, we have our guests here. All of their games have different NFT breeding systems. And I think gamers of over time, uh, if you're like me, we've noticed some of the original games like Axie Infinity, just like you're talking about, Simon, where I think some gamers have become hesitant of, well, why do I want to buy an NFT that can breed? Because eventually, there, as you said, Simon, there's going to be so much inflation. It's exponential. It's going to get out of control. And then instead of me having one out of 10,000, I have one out of, you know, a million axes or something crazy like that, whatever the numbers are these days. And so today let's talk about, I know each of your games have different ideas for, you know, how do we combat those things? But before we even start talking about how do we combat those things, I would just like to hear from you guys, why why even in the first place have an NFT breeding system? You know, there's other games that have, hey, we're going to sell packs every three months or we're going to sell... You know, just ten thousand NFTs, or we are going to sell twenty thousand NFTs. But you can still play the game for free, uh, even if you don't have an NFT. So, uh, whoever wants to go first, just jump in here. And uh, I'd love to hear why you guys decided to go with an NFT breeding system in the first place.
1: Yeah, so we're building horse racing game. Um, This is our third horse racing game. Uh, We've been doing it for quite a long time. And uh, you know, one of those things we've learned as making these games over the years is that uh breeding is the whole game um that's that's how horse racing works in real life that's how uh, fans of horse racing know the sport is the breeding so it was never even an option it wasn't really about the nft part or not. it's like this is the game this is how people do it it's not about breeding a uh, or, or it's not about buying a single horse that wins every race i think that's ridiculous um because that's not anywhere close to how real life works it's about breeding a long-term bloodline over generations and generations. And and that's where the game is. That's where the strategy is. That's where the fun is. And so that's why we chose it is that it's obviously as close to real life as possible. We're very much dialed into wanting to make a very authentic horse racing game. Um, uh, That's sort of, I think in our DNA, unfortunately, it's beaten into our head from working on all those EA sports games forever. Um, so yeah, that that's from the get go it's just that that is the game. It's about breeding not just a single you know secretariat style horse, but uh, h- hundreds of of champion horses,
0: yeah, it definitely makes sense for a horse racing game when breeding is literally integrated into the game. Uh, Leo, I think I, I saw you wanting to jump in there.
2: yes, I, I mean, to us, it's really about you know going with the communities are uh, because the The breedings provide, you know, the chance for the community to actually create new characters, which is source, you know, enabling new players to join the games. So to us, since day one, it's always been about growing with the community. And breeding systems are are probably one of the uh, best ways that we can align that uh, visions and incentives with the community.
3: Yeah, so, so... I, th- I think that when I started playing Axie Infinity, I found the breeding aspect of it be, to be the most fun aspect of Axie Infinity. And it sort of also felt like uh, breeding was something that was, in a sense, enabled by Web3. Uh, it, it's pr- it's perfectly suited for, for Web3 gaming, I feel. And because it was also so much fun engaging that aspect of Axie Infinity, We decided to sort of adopt it, and um, uh, and and try to fix some of the problems with it. Um, Yeah, I think as a long-term gamer at heart, I've I've gone through all the evolutions of gaming and all the like uh, new types of gaming from the consoles to the online gaming to the mobile gaming, everything, and each of these new categories of gaming, if you will, create its desired sort of uh, game genres, the the, the game genres of choice that are really uh, the most popular. We saw back in the console era, we saw the fighter games like Street Fighter uh, come along and be like the most popular competitive games, right? And then we had the online gaming when the broadband started spreading and we we started seeing shooter games like Counter-Strike come up and really like revolutionize the world. And uh, similar when, when we saw mobile gaming come out and we saw Clash of Clans completely take over. So we think that um, Web3 gaming is really, like, like we, what we need to do, what needs to be done here is to identify the key features of what makes Web3 gaming, Web3 gaming, if that makes sense. And I think that breeding is one of those aspects that could be really perfected and perfectly suitable for um, for Web3 gaming.
0: Do you guys think that there's, like, I, for your guys' games, as you're explaining it, it makes sense to me. Do you think there's a point where it just doesn't make sense anymore and some of these games are just trying to fit it in because... It's a trend like I, I've seen like in in you know inanimate objects like it could be a, a boat or a car or whatever is like now breeding it's like how does that make sense you know
1: no, I fully agree with that I mean I think crafting um is a is a really cool mechanic that has been around forever and and can work in almost any game um and that's pretty cool but I think when you get into this sort of notion of an actual breeding you know the the DNA or the or the properties of these two things are going to make a a sort of unique one i mean they often can be interchanged but but yeah that's where it does get weird i mean if you were going to have two inanimate objects and it's going to be like a dead rising or something then yeah a bat with a a box of nails does make a bat with nails in it that's cool that that makes sense but two boxes of nails shouldn't probably be bred together
2: (laughs) (laughs) i I feel you man it makes sense if you want to you know to do something with the the um, the inherent of the traits or uh, for example with the naco nfts you got different traits and i believe there's a lot of other nfts that are also building building on that basics if that traits matters in the games right and you want it to create new things new experience or other cool thing that you can do with that characters then breeding are fit that perfectly and can provide that experience, but if not, it's just two bucks of nails, like you said, is not going to provide any
1: value at all. I think another uh, thing that's just—I no one has really done it, but I was just saying too, or um, like any type, anytime it's humans, that's also kind of a little bit weird, um, <laughs> right? Like it just feels a little too, like, playing God, like I don't know, has done a little little <laughs> bit of that stuff, but. But I don't know for for whatever reason the horses is fine. But like if if Madden was you know breeding Peyton Manning with Eli <laughs> Manning, it would be weird. Oh boy, yeah.
3: that would be awesome. Yeah, that's why that's why we went with insects
1: too.
4: Uh, uh, Floyd Mayweather, baby, incoming. <laughs> uh, I, I, I was gonna I was gonna segue over because um, because. Uh, I think Pegaxi was an interesting uh, case study, what I would consider failing at population control. Uh, I I don't know how familiar you are with Pegaxi. It was a a robot horse racing game. I'm sure Ian knows about it. Um, We were there from the very beginning and paying attention, and we also have paid attention up until now. And it was very clear very quickly that people saw that there was like one route that was just so much better with the breeding than all the other routes. And then you got insane population issues. Um, how do you think that you sort of deal with that the best possible way?
3: Yes, yeah, so I was going to say, uh, so uh, I, I don't know too much about uh, the you, you other games, like what types of games you are, but Cyberbugs is a, a competitive game sort of trying to go for the, yeah. Uh, the hardcore aspect of things and we plan to uh, obviously have the, the a lot the same mechanics that you see in other c- competitive games where uh you build like lineups and the lineups have different power and we obviously need to be balancing those, those powers out and um as we do that i think that uh, and this goes for for any game, I'd say. Like, if you plan to be the game that that does active balancing within, then if you see this overpowered thing that comes up, uh, then you can make adjustments to that. Granted, of course, you can make uh, you can like screw up and implement things like stats within the NFT, and then it becomes very hard to change, right? But but if you are clever from the start and sort of do it right, the balancing act activities create new sort of uh, power plays and new routes to breed and, and to make it better in that sense.
1: Yeah, I, I guess uh, from my perspective, you know, obviously I, I've seen pegaxi um Horse Racing, you know, we were interested to see, of course, what they did. Um, I mean, I think all of these games, if you don't have a deflationary or a decay pull, you're going to have major problems. Um, and so, you know, a, a big difference with our game than that others is the horses die. Uh, they age, they retire, and they die. And so that's, of course, somewhat uh, harsh. Some people don't even like that notion. Uh, but that but that's the way to control population. And it, and it even doesn't control it all the way. Like, um, obviously, everyone here should know, like, if you have a, a mom giving birth to more than two children population will grow faster than it declines um likely <laughs> so um you know we even have other uh, ways that we've got to basically control population by having it be a resource drain on you to have more right um just like real life there's a reason that you know if if a family can no longer afford another child they won't keep having them uh, or sometimes they do but then it's really hard um, so you know, we're we're just trying to model after life as much as possible because it's easier somewhat and it's been you know proven to work. Uh, not everyone has that obviously uh guiding North Star of trying to recreate, you know, the real life horse racing industry. But yeah, I mean I, when I saw Pegaxi at the beginning, when I saw these, there's been quite a few others that have kind of tried to race out really quickly and copy, you know, Z Run. It's like, yeah, of course it's gonna work at the beginning, and then of course it's gonna explode and, and and torpedo to zero when there's you know a million supply and no demand so i don't know that's 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 where we're coming uh at it from that angle is just having them die unfortunately that's interesting uh,
2: you know some of the we have not released the breeding module that yet but we are experimenting with some some models uh i think for one of the key thing key thing here is pacing the um the emissions of the supply which mean how much are uh, how much character can be breeded at one moment at the, at the times and there should be some form of investment either time or or any other form that ties to the game mechanics that allow for more pacing growth in terms of the supply of the nfts so that's our approach to it.
3: We have a, a sort of an interesting idea that we're toying with right now. So I, I should mention, first of all, that uh, we are currently not uh, planning to have our NFTs expire in any way. We sort of discussed it but sort of decided against it because we were uncertain of what that would make uh, and what, what, what how that would feel with the players essentially so so we we decided to not do it but we have another exciting mechanic that we call death tournaments so since we have a game that revolves around insects uh they're very you know Killable, <laughs> So it didn't feel too weird to have a, to have these types of, de- of tournaments where you essentially enter your bug NFTs uh, in a tournament of permanent death. And uh, the prizes of that tournament will obviously be grand, at least in the beginning. And if we come to a point where we see uh, that the, the value of the bugs decline severely, we will see a greater participation in the death tournaments, which will in turn then uh, result in more bugs expiring and dying. And, and so that's one way, obviously that's not gonna be uh, the int- the, 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 like in itself enough to control the population, but that's one interesting mechanic that we're currently toying with and, and looking forward to to launching.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. I don't even do this intentionally, but all of you guys have some sort of way to either have the NFT die or be destroyed. And so that can definitely help curb some of that supply issue. And one of the other things I've, I've heard in this debate is kind of around the, you know, are NFT games, Web3 games, should they be fully decentralized? Or is, you know, how much control should a team have over the game? So I want to know from your guys' perspectives, I've seen different routes. Some games are saying, hey, the team is going to be in full control of the supply and how much and how often you can breed. I've seen the other extreme of, hey, we're just going to set up the system like pay Axie and Axie Infinity. Just let it go. And I've seen kind of this in-between balance of, hey, we're going to set up a system and let the DAO make votes and change things over time as needed. Where do you guys kind of fall on that scale?
1: Uh, me personally, I'm, I'm uh, much more for making a high quality experience being centralized to our team. You know, we are very uh experienced, I guess, in in making sports games. And so I love this notion of eventually the the platform runs by itself. But I think it takes a long time to get to something like that. Um so handing the keys over too early, I think, is kind of disaster waiting to happen. Um but I do love that concept of course that like, yeah, eventually this thing just runs on smart contracts. The breeding the simulations the deaths all of it happens entirely uh on the chain that's so cool but i think just to make a solid game like you you really i think starting with that is is uh too much too much risk to put onto your game team up front uh, in my opinion
2: yeah uh so it's not just a matter of if you want to do it do it or not it's actually the the uh both of in terms of the capability of, and the infrastructure to do that right not everything can be put on chains and furthermore we are still in right an early um quite an early stage for everything to be uh, fully decentralized it's going to take a while to get there uh, and that's obviously going to be an idealistic futures but it's need a lot of experimentations and especially with a new economy model of a decentralized economy model to Really make that works.
3: Yeah, we're not going to do the decentralized route in the beginning either. Uh, we're we're going to start off by sort of being the decision makers of the game. Um, so after having watched um, like millions of live streams of competitive games, I feel that uh, the pros, the pro players, the best players usually have pretty good ideas of what is balanced, unbalanced, and, and also pretty good suggestions of what needs to be done. So uh, our plan is to sort of uh, 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 have close contact with all our pro players and, and discuss this with them. So in, in a sense, that's a little less centralized, uh, but we believe that uh, good outcomes can come out of that.
0: Nico, when you're setting all these projects and these games, how do you feel about that when you're looking at breed systems when they're centralized versus decentralized? Because I know for me, when I when I see a system that's set up and they just said, here's how it's going to be, go for it. We're not going to make any changes. To me personally, that that always gets me a little bit nervous, unless they have maybe this incredible plan beforehand. But other than that, I have a hard time trusting it. What What are your thoughts?
4: It's quite cocky, to be honest. Uh, at least currently, like we, when we don't have models that we have seen have worked properly yet, in my opinion, then thinking that you you've created the perfect uh, perfect reading system and not having the opportunity of changing it if it, if it breaks is uh, scary. I, I wanted to um, to mention something else, um, which I, w- I would love to hear some thoughts about, and, and I would love to. Um, uh, give a shout out to Dogami, uh, a tesla space game here. And, and I would urge everybody to actually read their white paper regarding breeding and love seasons. Um, back on the Population Control, uh, their game is about dogs. And in their game, the dogs have heat, the period of fertility. And Dogami choose when these periods are. And how long they are and the parameters around the love seasons, uh, the breeding costs, the breeding counts, the cooldown periods. And that allows them to have this global management population tool. And I think that there's a lot of cool stuff there. But to add on to that, I also wanted to um, specify something that I think is important. I, I've seen extremely complicated breeding system. Uh, that a majority of the the, the player base don't understand, and I think that can also be an issue. So, there, in my opinion, there's a like a a perfect line between having a good enough system and having an understandable system. Because um, I think it's easy to make an overcomplicated system. What do you guys think about that?
3: Yeah, I resonate with that hundred uh, percent. First of all, uh, I, think I agree with. It's very foolish to sort of launch a breeding system uh, from the start and implement everything in smart contracts and sort of write it in stone. Uh, That that is very naive. Like if you think that's going to be perfect from the start, you're probably uh, sort of inexperienced, I'd say. Uh, We solve that by doing everything in in sort of our game servers. So our connections to the blockchains is essentially just minting, burning, and and transacting. Uh, So our servers determine when X happens and when Y happens, essentially. So we are able to make adjustments to that at any time. Um, And what was the other thing you uh, were talking about, Nico?
4: Um, On one part, it was the population control, which was centralized, decentralized. And then the other part was uh, how complicated and understandable you make Ah, the system.
3: Yes, exactly, and uh, I agree with you there too. Actually, uh, an overcomplicated system will for sure scare players away. It needs to be uh, ju- just in the in the perfect spot. I feel uh, so. Like I think that everybody will look at Axie Infinity today, uh, at least people that are familiar with uh, Web three gaming at all, and say that that system is not necessarily very complicated it could it could probably take one one or two more steps of complication and still and be more intriguing than that um, so I, I believe I believe that we've we've sort of approached uh, that step uh, that, that um, threshold in cyberbugs but we've been very careful to not overdo it and and do it uh, too complicated
1: yeah, I could give a little uh, background, too. Uh, so, um, you know, we, we've had a horse racing mobile game called Horse Racing Manager that's been live since uh, geez, 2018, almost four and a half years now. God, it's crazy. Uh, anyway, th- that game was very much our first sort of foray into a in-depth breeding system. Uh, we tried to, you know, introduce genetics and things like that to do realistic horse coat colors and all kinds of things like that. Uh, but what we did find with that system was that within about, I want to say, a year and a half to two years, the the user base cracked it. Um, they were able to, you know, get a control horse and breed every combination against it and figure out exactly the way it worked. And our breeding system back then was deterministic uh, for the most part. You know, it was really, uh, we wanted people to know that if you bred a, a two good mud horses, you would get a good mud horse uh full uh, you know a baby um and so that you know part was i would say i don't know maybe somewhat straightforward and easy to understand but then at the same time it, it kind of lost longevity now people still play it but it it's much more a solved problem now whereas the new game we're making you know we, we basically tried to move everything to genetics so that it couldn't be cracked even by our by us um And again, this is sort of with a difference of a long time of experience. I think if we had done that first, we would have floundered and and struggled. But now that it's, you know, four or five years in, we understand it a little bit better. Um, And the hope for us is, yeah, that it it can't be cracked by the end user. It does still make sense, but there is enough randomness and genetic uh, weirdness and, you know, mutation or what have you that um, does give you a free course every once in a while from two bad ones and then at the same time it's relatively like okay these two together often make a very good one uh your other question about the 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 dogs i mean i I still think like my my question would be that still sounds up only um regardless of whether they're metering the dog heat period or not um it's still up only and so there's got to be some way out um burning retiring uh using some some like Uh, even if they're controlling how fast it goes up, it's still only going up. Uh, so that'd be my question for the, for the dog game is how they're going to control it, uh, as opposed to slowing it, actually controlling it and keeping it, uh, flat or maintainable.
0: Yeah. And I believe for them, they have a a spirit phase, so they don't completely kill it off Ian. They're not. Just like you guys but <laughs> <laughs> need to be
1: everyone needs to be
0: <laughs> no I actually like the idea of the of the horses uh you know passing away I think it makes a lot of sense for what you guys are doing. Um Leo did you have any thoughts about that though? Like how complicated are you guys making your breeding systems? How do you create that balance?
2: Yes actually we have the exact ex- uh kind of same problems uh, so one of the reason that why it's not entirely deterministic is because some traits just don't mix together, right? For it's not does it does not satisfy the art quality, so you really have to uh, fine tuning which traits can go together or set some rules basically. Um, and I really like the concept of, that Ian talked about, you know, burnings, or have some sort of mechanism to to weed that that out or or give the choice. To the owners whether they want that or not or they just can continue to breed to create new character that will suit their star i think we all have you know the, the same uh kind of realizations and the kind of uh, game mechanics in mind to uh when approaching these matters
0: yeah one of the things that i have found interesting just being in the nft gaming space for whatever it's a, a year and a half now or so a lot of these games that I've seen from Axie to Pay Axie, you name it, on these early NFT games, it seems like a lot of the people came in just specifically not even to play the game, just to grab some NFTs and breed and use it as a way to create passive income. I'm just wondering what you guys think about that? Is that. As you guys think about your game, is that something that you guys encourage, try to discourage, don't care? How do you feel about people coming just for the breeding aspect and not the game at all?
3: We've actually sort of, uh, uh, since um, the breeding aspect uh, involves having an account that's active, in theory, that should limit the possibility of of having breeders come in just by uh, bug NFTs and breed them with each other uh, the way that many did in Axie. It, It became sort of a Ponzi scheme in Axie, where sort of the some people just came in and bred a bunch of bugs, and they were sort of pure, and then they sold the pure breeds to other breeders that bought them and bred them and sold them to other breeders, right? And <laughs> and so we are very concerned with with making the breeding... A part of the game and the players of the game, so that in th- in theory, somebody could come in, start buying eggs, and start buying like bugs, and then produce seedlings, or start buying seedlings even in on the on the marketplace, and then just do the fertilization. But there won't be enough eggs to do that. There won't be uh, enough assets for for um, uh, many breeders to do this at the same time. If, if that would happen. What would happen would be that the prices would go up tremendously because of the, the, the lack of supply of the resources, essentially.
1: Yeah, I think with us, um, this has been, you know, something we've talked about a lot. Um, you know, the early uh, community members that bought, you know, in on our NFTs and our PFPs, you know, well before we had a game to play. Uh, a lot of them were probably most interested in a passive income, you know, stake their PFP, make earnings play. And so we have tried to make sure that we uh, reward early supporters in that respect. But when it comes to the game itself, um, you know, the, the racing is, is everything. There is no game. There's no, there's no s- system or anything around it unless there's a great racing engine at the core. And, and, so, you know, that, that's that been obviously our, our primary goal, but I do love the concept of someone be, being a huge stat head. They get in, they, you know, breed six generations of horses. They they have all these winners and now they can actually take some time off and let all of their champions breed. They put them out to stud and they don't have to play as hard anymore. And so maybe that is the passive income play, but ideally. No one can just breed without having champion horses uh, like no one would want to breed with a horse that has no winning record, hasn't done anything in its life. I and mean, again, just looking to real life, why why doesn't everyone, doesn't everyone just retire all of their horses immediately to breed them? Because breeding is obviously way less risky. Uh, typically, you earn 10 to 20 times the amount of uh, race purses than you do at, uh, breeding than you do from actually racing. It's way more lucrative. but it's, it's because they have to have won you know and uh, or or it just sometimes just a free course will become a, a top stud or something like that but um, yeah for us uh, I think the passive income play I love I love to support as long as the racing engine is what's f- uh, first and foremost and the core for us yeah
2: so I briefly talked about this before right so in web3 are our Inevitably, there will be a lot of uh, different persona of users that will join your ecosystems as a game, right? Some are breeders, uh, some are are players. But then the most important thing is uh, how do every participant in your ecosystems contribute toward the same goal that is, you know, uh, building uh, value or participating in in the game itself. So that's why to us it's, it's important to, introduce some sort of uh, relationship between the breedings and the game mechanics, right? There's no uh, free breedings, but instead you got to spend or uh, do some things, uh, actions inside the games. For example, like acquire some kind of items. For us, we are an RPGs game, so we have a lot of material and resources that can tie uh, player progressions to the ability for them to to create more character and offer that to other players. So that's our, our way of uh, managing and uh, and pacing the growth of the AFD uh, uh, supply.
1: I was gonna throw in one other thing there, Balthazar that, that we do that I, I was just reminded about, that we try to not talk about too much, but there's actually incest in our breeding <laughs> as well, <laughs> um, which is a real thing in horse racing. And so that's a big part of how we've also tried to balance out, you know, some of the possible oversupply uh, is it doesn't necessarily fix a up only problem, but it does enforce a lot more strategy and passive or over passive play. Cause you can't just like rip through the same brothers and sisters breeding with each other because they will, their horses will get worse and worse due to inbreeding penalties. Um, which is again, sort of real life. They do, in horse racing, they do kind of shockingly uh, inbreed, um, but often a big a big part of it in real life is keeping too much of the same bloodline in in the tree. So they're they're never trying to have the same horse like three or four times uh, within the you know three generations, uh, which is weird and gross, I know. But uh, regardless, we try to do similar things to keep it a little more strategic as opposed to passive. Uh,
3: so, do do your games have the concept of children? like like when you breed new um uh, horses or whatnot that they start off as children and then sort of go adult by some game mechanic
1: yeah Uh, our our game does yeah our game runs on a clock it's it's accelerated um but basically the horses age a year uh in our beta period right now they age a year every week um but in the real game our plan was going to be every four weeks so yeah, they, when when the horse is born, you actually you have to right now wait two weeks until it can race. In the real game, it'd be wait two months until it can race.
2: Yeah, our characters just uh, not have age, but they have their own progressions inside the game. That is their level, and when you trade the NFTs, are uh, it comes with it with the level in itself. So that is uh, a broad progression in itself, and that's also you know uh, provide with the investment of the. Players in terms of their times, the effort in leveling up the characters, and when they trade it, it has more value than the newly breeded ones. So, so that is the the way that we look at it. Uh, it needs to have uh, the character also need to have its own growth and development, so it can also affect you know the um, the problem of the breeding supply as well.
3: Yeah, that's uh, it's interesting to hear. Yeah, I think that sort of having a child concept in your breeding where the, the the thing that you breed, the animal, if you will, it starts off as a child and then sort of has to level up either through a time aspect or some kind of achievement aspect like it needs to accomplish this and that before doing that. That sort of also contributes to the sustainability because that, that in itself will make it much better harder to just come in and breed and make money off of that right like you need to also participate somehow in the game to to make it uh, work right
0: yeah it's interesting as i listen to you guys i think a lot of what i'm hearing is you guys have some similar ideas but you have to shape it specifically for the type of your game right like a breeding system in an rpg or a team fight tactics is going to look very different a really realistic horse racing game where honestly in real life correct me if I'm wrong, Ian, but a lot of people are just breeders, right? And they'll breed horses and they'll pass them on to racers, right? Um, and so it is a skill yeah. to be, be the best mm-hmm. breeder.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that, that's been a fascinating part, just learning about the industry. I mean, just so people know, I didn't, you know, I, I really had no idea how the horse racing industry worked back in 2015. So we have oh. sort of embedding ourselves in it. But it's been really fascinating to see this like multi-billion dollar industry that's kind of right under all of our noses that we don't really realize is there. And, um, every step of the way, the people that, you know, take care of the foals to get them to be weanlings or yearlings. And then they auction just the yearling. Uh, and then people that buy one-year-olds and two-year-olds, uh, and train them up just to be great three-year-olds. And then the people that buy the three-year-old at a huge auction, you know, those are right in on a private jet, jet, and they're track tracksuits or whatever. And, so it's like every stage of, of the industry has these kind of different styles of people that are doing the care and the training and the breeding and then all the way up to the trainers uh, that end up you know trying to get them on the track. So, yeah, it's fascinating.
0: Nico, any other thoughts or questions that you might have had as we've been chatting?
1: I, I
4: love the flow that we've uh, held today. I, I think uh, we've gone through a lot of really good discussions and important discussions. And um, I guess my my hope from these sort of conversations is that we all uh, maybe get some good ideas from each other, at least on the game side, because I think what's important to keep in mind that we're so early in infancy in Gamefly, and uh, we need to learn from each other and uh, adapt from good ideas from each other in order to build more sustainable economies and, and reading is a part of the economies of the game definitely in a game five sense when when they're nft based so yeah I I I, uh, I don't have any more questions that are pressing I just wanted to uh, give a shout out to uh, the participants here because I think this has been super valuable and I think it is a, it is an important conversation to have
0: yeah totally I think maybe my question, then based off what you're saying there, Nico, because we're so early and other games are, I'm sure, going to listen to the recording or podcast version. What would you guys kind of as a last thought say is like one of the most important things as you're thinking about setting up a breeding system? Um, Maybe a a piece of advice or a a specific area that you guys would say like, hey, if you're trying to build an NFT game with a breeding system, think about this. This is like one one of the most important things to go through any thoughts there
3: i'd say the same thing as i say with like the purpose of making an nft game as a whole it needs to be fun first it needs to be integrated into the game for the the fun elements of it not because you need want a way to make money or you want to uh like to copy something that work or like Think about it and, and and incorporate it into the game mechanics so that it's a fun part that adds to the experience of playing the game.
1: Yeah, um, from my perspective, I mean, I, I think that there's two schools of thought. I mean, I, I think, yeah, you should make a fun game, of course. Uh, some people maybe don't go in that avenue and you could just make a breeding simulator that is text-based, you know, a Crypto Kitty style thing or something. And it could still be kind of neat. It doesn't have to have uh, super in-depth gameplay or anything like that. I think there's interesting, like the, the notion of breeding and, and creating uh, the users, creating new things that you as developers did not plan on or intend on is really fun and interesting as a game designer to do. Um, you know, so that's one school of thought, I guess, is you could just kind of have a lot of fun with it, make something crazy and unique and people will probably dig it in the NFT space. It's even cooler because maybe they can sell it and, uh, you know, they own the asset. But I guess when it comes from the other side, which is a sustainable uh, game that you want to last a really long time uh, or that you want to build a a big community around, I think the biggest thing is you've got to think about actual population control. And you have to probably watch some videos on how it works and uh, do some really in depth studying on how to not have an up only uh, inflationary supply with uh, demand that will eventually fade. Um, If you don't have that simulated out, then. It's it's of course going to bite you in the ass. I mean, I can't tell you how many games we've been on that's like, uh, yeah, we'll just get them to spend something later. You know, we'll, we'll just we'll make something more expensive. You know, we'll sell them a, a jet ski. You know, um, and it's just like unless you actually have this sort of your deflationary pull uh, balanced before you go live, you're, you're never going to figure it out. So uh, you just got to you got to model it. Uh, that's my that's my thought.
2: Yeah. So. My take on it is actually it is a, a is within the scope of the economy. Is it actually a resource that you have to monitor? And with, like any other resources in your game, you have to model it out and continuously testing it. Uh, but the other side of it is is also a fun part. You know, to adopt an economic model into your game design and really make it speak and add to the experience. And if you do that. Both of that, are, and it's going to be a very fun design challenge.
0: Yeah, props to you guys all on, on building some excellent games and, and thinking through these NFT breeding systems because it's definitely easy to judge these games. And I know a lot of people have given lots of flax uh, flack to things like Axie Infinity or Pay Axie or and name whatever early NFT breeding system game you can think of. But, but in reality, it's it's such a new thing, as you're saying, Nico, that there's no like perfect blueprint that you could just take as a game. Like what you guys are doing are really, I think, pushing the boundaries and testing new theories, um, and I think that's really cool. And I hope all those systems that you guys are thinking through and building are successful, and not only for you guys, but down the line, I think that will hopefully create blueprints for others as well, uh, moving down the line. So thank you guys for building out some great games. Appreciate you here today, and because you guys have taken the time, I just love. As we wrap up here today, please shout out your game. Any cool maybe announcements you guys have lately or where people can follow up if they want to know more about
3: you and your game.
0: So we'll start off with Zyberbugs. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, uh, Zyberbugs.io. Please give us a follow on this Twitter account too. Um, the, the most exciting upcoming thing I would say is the, the video that we're producing. So uh, if you like to uh, follow us, uh, please also subscribe on our YouTube channel.
0: So, Thank you so much, Simon, for being here today. Ian, go ahead next.
3: Hey, yeah, thanks for having
1: me. Uh, super fun talking. Uh, I love talking game content and all the stuff with us, uh, game devs. Um, yeah, for us, we've had a beta version that's been live since June. Uh, Photo Finish Game is the Twitter handle. You could, uh, If you click on me, you can also find it. I see a bunch of my fellow Photo Finish people here in the audience. So really appreciate you guys all coming out and supporting us. Um, but yeah, November 7th is the next big version and iteration of photo finish. So, uh, it would be a great time for people to the account, uh, start, you know, checking us out on Twitter, make sure that, uh, you're, you're poised to have an account ready, uh, only two and a half, you know, what three weeks from now. So yeah, join us.
0: Sweet. I'm excited. I was uh, on Photo Finish yesterday, checking out some of the horse races going on as I was doing work, just had it on the side screen. Uh, it was kind of fun watching some of the, the races go by. So thanks for being here, Ian. Leo,
2: uh, go ahead next. Thank you guys for inviting me here. Um, so you guys can follow more information on Nickovers on uh, our Twitter, Nickovers slash NFTs. We have a really active Discord with a lot of the activities, that actually modeling out uh the economies that not going to happen inside the games uh and we are in the process of building so we can you, you can see a lot of materials on our building process on our tutors so go check us out check us out thank you awesome
0: thanks so much leo for being here as well and uh thank you all for tuning in and listening here if you didn't catch the full conversation you can listen to our podcast and next week's Twitter Space, we will have Indie Week, bringing on a couple games that uh, maybe you've never heard of, and just getting a feel for these new games coming out. Uh, Nico, any last word to our listeners or to our speakers that you wanted to say before we wrap up?
4: Yeah, if, I if you're not already paying attention to what we are doing at Bulstar, we are providing hell of a lot of content, both through our unsponsored, unbiased research reports, uh, Luke. It's providing a lot of great YouTube content. We try to be very active with Twitter spaces and have so far had 10, 15 different guests in the last month, I believe, uh, or more. And uh, yeah, the train is going to keep rolling. So if you're not already followed to Baldstar's Twitter, you should definitely uh, do that as uh, there is likely to be a lot of alpha for a lot of different games uh, just by, just by being followed.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for being here. Uh, I guess if you want to unmute and just say goodbye, we're going to close up the Twitter space. Thank you all for being here. Appreciate it.
3: Thank you so much guys. Thank you, Nico. And thank you, Luke. And thank you Balthasar, for what you do for this community. I'm looking very much forward to staying in touch with you guys uh, and working with you in the future. Sweet. All right. Take care, everyone. See you next time.